and good to be here. And it is good to see the house so well filled again after a couple of weeks of quite a few vacant seats. I really appreciate what's been shared, what we've heard, and the, uh, the songs that have been sung. <clears throat> appreciate the thoughts that Brother David shared there on that, the, uh, that story and the difference in the different characters in there. <clears throat> what I'd like to, if you want to turn with me to 1 Thessalonians 5, I'd like to read, start there, read some verses out of there. I have titled the message, Let Us Not Sleep. This phrase has been on my mind the last several weeks. I've been thinking about that. What does he mean? What is he saying? To get the context here, we're going to we'll read the first 11 verses there of 1 Thessalonians 5. It says, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore let us not sleep, as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation." For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. <clears throat> Let us not sleep as do others. So what do the others? What's he talking about here? What is the apostle saying? You know, sleep in the natural sense is very important. Has your mind ever been running so fast that, and wildly, that, that sleep just doesn't come? It doesn't, there may be, it can be because, it depends on your age and where you're at, but it could be because of finances, it can be because of, of uh, pain, it can be different things. It can happen to young minds when they get scared, you know, the darkness can bring all kinds of spooky figures to young and old. Stumps can turn into bears. Clothes hanging on a hook can turn into monsters. Sometimes pain can be trauma, grief, keep us from sleeping. You know, our bodies wear down. Without good sleep, it's easier to become depressed, discouraged, and so on. You know, think of worry. Uh, I don't know if my father-in-law is listening or not, but when he hears a story, a negative, or somebody that's, hurting or, or uh, sick or a crisis in a crisis, uh, financial stress or whatever. It bothers him so bad he struggles to sleep. He lays awake all night praying for and worrying about them. Well, I don't think the Apostle Paul is us, discouraging us from getting a good night's sleep. We need rest so we can be alert. It's when we're not alert that we are most vulnerable I read about a commercial that <clears throat> for a Poplar sleep aid, 
And the, the narrator opens with these questions. When you want to sleep, do you lie awake? When you get to sleep, do you wake up? Often during the night. And then he says, sleep is here on the wings of Lunesta. I'm not familiar with that. Uh, it's a prescription drug, I believe. He said, some sleep aids are approved to help you fall asleep and others help you stay asleep. Prescription Lunesta is approved to do both. He said, up to that point, things were sounding pretty good. Then comes this rather disturbing list of warnings. Until you know how you will react to Lunesta, you should not drive or operate machinery. Walking, eating, driving, or engaging in other activities while asleep without remembering it the next day have been reported. Other abnormal behaviors include aggressiveness, agitation, hallucinations, and confusion, and a list of bad stuff. These risks may increase if you drink alcohol. Se severe aller allergic reactions, such as swelling of the tongue and throat occur rarely, may be fatal. Don't sound very good, does it? Driving while asleep, swelling of the tongue, which could be fatal. You know, stay asleep indeed. It's, uh, a calm voice then returns to the initial question. Need a good night's sleep? Lunesta. Well, I don't know where the name comes from, Luna. It may be part, a little bit of what, it, uh, fit, a fitting name for it. But who's going to sleep after taking this pill? He says, if I was too anxious to fall asleep before he heard that advertisement, he'd be more anxious after hearing those anomalous warnings and side effects. Well, the world's prescriptions for a weary and anxious soul, the world is powerless to truly take care of those. And John 4.18 says, perfect love casts out fear. Psalm 4.8 says, I will lie down and sleep in peace, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Now, I remember my grandpa telling me stories of his truck driving days. He would take pills to keep from sleeping. And he would wake up following a car down a exit ramp, have no idea where he was or how he got there. He must have simply been in his partial stupor of him following a car. And the car ahead of him, a dangerous way to drive, a danger to himself and to others on the highways. And one of the leading causes of Accidents is distracted driving. It can be phones, dogs. You know, I don't know how many of you have noticed when you go across the Fordland Bridge, you just get across and the road makes a right and <clears throat> there's tracks going down to the left off into the medium. It goes across the highway and you see the tracks again going down through a deep ditch and up the other side. Well, that was a truck driver ended up over there and he said his dogs, his two dogs, <laughs> caused distraction and he ended up fortunately they didn't intercept anybody as he crossed across, went across there simply driving and not being alert and aware of our surroundings you know how many of us are good with taking Lunesta I'd venture to say not many here would consider that but I also say there are times in life that we take things that aren't the best for us to be able to sleep but what are we allowing it to lying to put us to sleep spiritually if you think about it a little bit, what what is the leading cause? What what puts us? What makes? What's he saying not to sleep as do others? He's talking, I believe, to the church there. You know, is it affluence? Is it 
I'll say religious politics, um, getting involved in the Rush Limbaugh type stuff. You know, do we listen to those type of, I don't know who's taking his place, but is that the type of things we listen to and get involved in? Is it media in general? Is it the sensuality that is so prevalent in society? You know, do these things that, that lull us to sleep, is that what maybe sometimes we struggle with casualness towards church attendance? You know, it's such a blessing to see the house so well filled this morning. <clears throat> you know, but what about this evening? What about Wednesday evening? What if we had a service Wednesday evening? It would look just like this. You know, what, a, what would that do for us? You know, what are we telling our families when attending becomes an option? You know, would our excuse keep us from going to work? Would it keep us from doing the things that we're really involved in, the things that we really enjoy, uh, the things that have to be done? Would, would whatever our reason is not to be assembled when there's a service, would that work? You know, do we really, do we really uh, consider why? And how, what it is that is pulling us away. You know, I understand we've had a lot of sickness and so on, and I'm definitely not advocating bringing, uh, risking a little one's health, um, coming, or, or coming sick and spreading it to others. But you know, God knows our hearts and desires. He knows what it is that is keeping us from assembling with the saints. In the previous chapter, the apostles talking about heaven and the hope that the believer has in Christ. In the last verse of that chapter, which we know originally this was a letter, this wasn't, there weren't chapters and there weren't verses, but in this letter he says, comfort one another with these words, and he goes on and says, you understand the times and the seasons, you understand the imminent return of the Lord, you are the children of light, you understand the part of being prepared, I believe he's talking to those that are professing Christians, professing to be believers, followers of Christ. Therefore, let us not sleep, as do others, but let us watch and be sober. A quote from Spurgeon, he says, We do not usually sleep towards the things of this world. We rise up early, sit up late, and eat the bread of carefulness for mammon's sake. <clears throat> In this age of competition, most men are wide enough awake for their own temporal interests. But so it is, partly through our being in this body and partly through our dwelling in a sinful world that we are all of us very apt to sleep concerning the interests of our souls. We drive like Jehu for this present world, but proceed slowly for the world to come. Nothing so much concerns us as eternity, and yet nothing so little affects us. We work for the present world, and we play with the world to come. That was, how true is that of us, of me? Now, those of us that were here last Sunday heard a message by Brother Harry Argo on the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. And I believe that's the dividing factor between those who are asleep and those who are awake spiritually. 
I'd like to look at an Old Testament example of a man who's, a, who's a, it says the spirit came upon. If we look at Judges 13, 24, I'm not going to really turn there to quote a verse from there, but it says in 1320, Judges 13, 24 is where we find this story. And it says, the woman, Manoah's wife, bare his son and called him Samson. And the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtel. You know, I, uh, we also, Brother Matt shared this morning about David. I believe that's another man that the Spirit of the Lord was upon. And here we have another, we have the story of Samson. The Lord delivered him from the hand of the lion. It says in chapter 14 that he rent a lion as he would have rent a kid with his bare hands. You know, the spirit of the Lord came upon him and he did things that made all those around him fear this supernatural or superhuman man. His strength came when the spirit of the Lord came upon him. But you know, it was while he slept that he lost his locks of hair. He lost his strength. He broke the vow that was made. He was not to let a razor touch his head. He lost his liberty. He lost his sight. And ultimately lost his life in his last act of, of revenge or where God answered his prayer there and let him take revenge on those that took his liberty. Those that were against the children of Israel. You know, when the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, he did mighty things. He was a leader among the weak. He infused courage to faint hearts. All Israel knew him. All those their enemies knew him also. But he stepped out of the bounds that God had set and made an alliance with a woman that his parents didn't approve of. Now, they weren't happy with his decision to marry a Philistine, but he let his own sensual desires put him to sleep. So much potential for the good of God's people, but instead he was made to be a slave to the Philistines. But you know, his name is found in Hebrews 11, and I believe he did repent, and God honored his plea. But it ended up with his taking his own life also, a sad ending. But that was while he slept, where, those, where he fell. I want to turn to the New Testament now. If you want to turn with me there to Matthew chapter 25. There's three parables given here in Matthew chapter 24 and 25. And they're brought about by the prediction Christ had made about the destruction of the temple. His disciples asked him, when shall these things be? And this parable starts with the word then. In uh, Matthew 25. But there was no break in his giving this these parables. I think what he's saying in the parable of the ten virgins immediately followed what he had just shared. In uh, the, previous, uh, the previous parable is the illustration of the householder, the wise and the faithful servants. And those who were unwise and unfaithful in the household. And he ended it by saying those that were unfaithful were going to have their portion with the hypocrites. And there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then he goes right on with chapter 25. I'm going to read the first 13 verses there. 
Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and for you, but go you rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went within, in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. He says, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins. He was referring to that time that was already referred to in the previous chapter. The illustration of the householder, the servants, when the Lord comes. When will the kingdom of heaven be like this? Not today but I think in the consummation of the, of the period or the time that we're in. The time that he would return for his bride. He gave these three parables to disciples there on the mount. The parable of the householder, the parable of the ten virgins. And in verse 14, we, he starts with the parable of the, the stewards, uh, where he gave them different amount of talents and what they did with them. The three followed each other and are all talking about the consummation of the age of time. And this, these parables were given to his disciples, to his own. In every parable there is an absent Lord. But in each one, the absent Lord returns. And that seems to be what he's trying to get across to his disciples. Aspects of his disciples responsibilities while their Lord is absent. And isn't that where we are right now, waiting for his return? And he was giving these in the light of what will happen when the Lord returns. In the chapter uh, 24, the previous chapter, verse 45, we have the parable of the household, the Lord absent, his servants are in charge there. In chapter 25, the parable of the Lord as bridegroom absent. And certain people were left there to wait for him. The parable of the absent Lord, after he had left different amounts of talents, would be the next one. And we have their response. The parable of the ten virgins is what I'd like to look at this morning. I think it brings out our personal responsibility, not of service, but of life. Let us not sleep as do others. Watch. In the previous parable, it seems he was referring to their responsibility towards each other, fellow servants, as in a community. Now as he's focusing on individual responsibility. We have an Eastern scene here. Bridegroom coming for his bride. Only there's no mention of the bride in this parable. You know, some feel like it would be the five it was the five wise virgins would have represented the true bride of Christ. We have those that were there waiting for the bridegroom. But what's clear here, the bridegroom was away 
And there are those who were expected to be waiting for him, for his coming. The group is represented by ten virgins. They were all waiting for his coming. They were all expecting him. They all had lamps. And at a certain time, they all trimmed their lamps. The figure of the picture we have here of the light, fed with oil, needing to have the wick constantly trimmed. And as they waited in verse 5, it says, they all slumbered and slept. Or they nodded, fell asleep. It was night. They were waiting. They didn't know when the bridegroom was coming. They got tired and fell asleep. And we don't see that they were reproved for it. It was okay. But when the cry came that the one they had been waiting for had arrived, it said, come ye out to meet him. Five of them heard the cry, trimmed their lamps, adjusted their wicks to find their own flame, and they had no oil. Five of them did exactly the same thing, but in their case, there was oil. The flame shone out in the darkness. Then those who had no oil turned to those who had said, who had, and they, they turned to them and they said, give us of your oil. For our lamps have gone out. But it was not an option for them to share. It was not something they could give. They had to purchase it themselves. The foolish virgins had to go find oil. They went, but it was too late. The door was shut. Again, I believe this is a picture of the consummation of the age. The absent Lord is coming back. There will be a revelation of truth in regards to those who have claimed to be his during the period of his absence. The whole church is represented here, or maybe you would say the whole of Christianity. The true church is represented in those that had oil, those whose lamps were trimmed and burning. You know, there was a lot of similarities between the wise and the foolish. They were all expecting him. You know, the foolish expected him. They arose when the cry was given. The wise expected him. They arose when the cry was given also. It says they went forth to meet the bridegroom. But of the foolish, it says, they took no oil with them. Evident carelessness. It says the wise took oil in their vessels. You know, there's so many similarities, but a major difference. Some had no oil. Others, the others, had oil burning. What is the appalling verdict there? It says, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. To those who had expectation, but had apparently only an outward form of relationship to the absent bridegroom. Those that had oil in their lamps, I believe were the ones that were not sleeping as do others. They had oil. And their lamps were burning. They went in with him to the marriage and the door was shut. A consummation. It seems that oil is the password or the passport to the marriage feast. Without it, there is no entrance. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. You know, the ten were watching. There was ten there expecting his return. What is the oil a symbol of? Is it not the Holy Spirit? 
You know, we heard a lot about that last Sunday, the importance of it. Without it, that, that's where the power is. That's where it's there for every believer. Do we avail ourselves of it? You know, throughout the Old Testament, the oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Oil burning in the holy place. Oil typifies spirit and power. Watch. The interpretation of watch is having the oil. Filled with the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, a life yielded to that Spirit. Where oil is, there is the Spirit of God. There is a living faith, and along with that, there are living works. But like we heard last Sunday, the greatest importance is having an oil that burns. Because the cry will be made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Then it will be as it is, oil or no oil will determine our destiny. And it's personal. It's not something anyone else can do for us or give us. It's through our own relationship with our Savior. There must be that fullness of the Spirit of God in the individual life, which produces the shining light, the burning flame, the power. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding, as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. I can't read those verses or think about them without thinking of Dan Schrock when he was here. I had meetings, I believe, the last time, and he quoted those verses every evening. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. It's the Spirit of the Lord that makes that change. Let us not sleep as do others. You know, let's not be satisfied with taking Lunesta. Or let's be aware of those, of whose we are and whom we serve. What kingdom are we are a part of? Where, where, we, where are, um, let's make sure the, the oil is burning. You know, how sad to come to that place and realize that there is no oil there is no flame it's too late you know there are substitutes the enemy wants to give us sleep aids and substitutes that cloud our mind you know maybe it's uh, maybe we're getting our things from places we don't know the background of podcasts and and uh, media of all kinds there's there's all kinds of it's, it's so readily available. And sometimes I think we pull from that not realizing, not knowing the background, not, and we, we subscribe to that, and it, it clouds our, let's say, our vision, our, our perception. It makes us unaware of our surroundings. You know, when we're not alert, we can justify all kinds of things. And suddenly we find ourselves where we never thought we would be. Let us not sleep as do others. If, I'd like to, uh, I'm going to read him out of 151. I wish we could sing that, but I don't, I don't know it. In the church hymnal, it's taken from this passage. And I love the way it's, 
It says, Rejoice, all ye believers, and let your lights appear. The evening is advancing, and darker night is near. The bridegroom is arising, and soon he will draw nigh. Up, pray and watch and wrestle. At midnight comes the cry. See that your lamps are burning. Replenish them with oil. And wait for your salvation, the end of earthly toil. The watchers on the mountain proclaim the bridegroom near. Go meet him as he cometh with alleluia's clear. Ye saints who here in patience your cross and sufferings bore, shall live and reign forever when sorrow is no more. Around the throne of glory the Lamb ye shall behold, in triumph cast before him your diadems of gold. Our hope and expectation, O Jesus, now appear. Arise, thou son so long for, or this benighted sphere. With hearts and hands uplifted, we plead, O Lord, to see the day of earth's redemption that brings us unto thee. I don't guess, I don't think we've sung that one here, have we? I don't, uh, not aware that we know it. Um, maybe it's something we could, somebody could work on sometime. Let's turn to 136 in the Christian hymnal. Could you give me the pitch on that, David? Why don't we stand together and sing this song? Over or me, Holy Spirit, bathe thy trembling heart and brow. Fill me with thy hallowed presence. Come, O come, and fill me now. Fill 
Let's bow our heads for prayer. Our kindly fathers, we come before thee again this forenoon. We thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for the promise we have of your spirit. We just pray that you might open our hearts to what you have for us. Lord, we know that you know each heart, you know each struggle, and you know where each of us are in our spiritual walk with you. We just pray that you might help us to look at our own lives, evaluate our own heart and desires, and, and uh, just give us a burning desire to be filled with your spirit and to uh, be sure that we have that oil, that flame burning in our lamps. We just want to commit each one to you. We again pray especially for those that couldn't be here this morning because of sickness. Just pray your blessing, your healing over each one. We uh, pray for those that are suffering in persecuted countries and war-torn countries. And uh, especially think of those in the conflict in Ukraine right now that are struggling with uh, the response to military action. We just pray that you might grant peace, grant courage and protection over your your uh, children there. Just help them to feel your presence near. We just want to commit them to you. We just pray that you might just keep us in your care as we go throughout this day and pray your blessing on the remainder of this service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>